Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Christmas Eve edition, Mark Malusis, Andrew Bogish with you as we roll for another hour right up until 9 a.m. Eastern time. Shep and Pete across the way. Peter Schwartz with your updates. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to one and all. And uh, thanks for being locked in for our first couple hours as we'll take you for the next hour. Jason Lockin for NFL Insider for CBS Sports will join us uh, about 20 minutes from now. Look forward to that conversation. Of course, we're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Millions of Americans finance the home of their dreams with their help. They can help you too. Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get mortgage. And CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line is brought to you by Geico. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. And for the last time, here we go. The three. It is now time for the three. We get you caught up on the three biggest headlines of the day with Taz and the Moose. Number one. By defeating the Vikings last night, the Packers moved to the number two seed in the NFC and also clinched the NFC North. No, they do. And they could get to the number one. You know, what do they need? They need, as we were discussing at the end of last hour, Beast Mode and the Seattle Seahawks to beat the Niners. And the Packers need to win this week. If they do that, Andrew Bogish. The Packers would be the number one seed in the NFC, and all all avenues to the Super Bowl, conceivably, would go through Lambeau. Yeah, and that certainly changes the dynamic of the NFC because, you know, while I think San Francisco and Seattle, theoretically, and even the Saints could travel well, could win on the road, you just don't want to be in a Lambeau game in late January when it's, you know, 10 degrees below zero, wind chill, and your face is frozen, and there's snow blowing through the air. Um, which, by the way, I sometimes I don't like weather games. I know that's so so ingrained in football history, and some of the best games, most memorable games, are in rain, in snow. Obviously, the Ice Bowl in Green Bay. But sometimes I want the games at the end of the season to be decided almost in sterile conditions, so just the best team wins. But that's not how things go. And Green Bay having games in Green Bay, two games possibly in Green Bay would absolutely be huge, and it's nowhere near impossible for them to get number one. I mean, the Niners, Marshawn Lynch or not, could certainly lose that game in Seattle, uh, and Green Bay certainly could win in Week 17. Uh, But first things first, they took care of business last night. They get the division. At worst, they keep themselves in line for that two-seed and a first-round bye, and then one home game, and then maybe they figure out a little more danger through the air and kind of all of a sudden get a little more balance in that offensive attack. Yeah, wouldn't it be ironic, though, here, Andrew, I was thinking about it during the... Wouldn't it be ironic if the Packers made another run and it's not on the brilliance of Rodgers, it's on the brilliance of Aaron Jones and Zadarius Smith 
It's on getting after the quarterback and running the football, winning at the point of attack. And it's not Rodgers with this unbelievable throw, this dynamic passing attack, everything. And Aaron Rodgers is a first ballot Hall of Famer. But I'm not saying that he can't still win it. But this passing game, I don't know if you're necessarily all of a sudden going to figure it out. When Devontae Adams is getting 16 targets and 13 catches, maybe, though, the Packers get there a little bit differently. And maybe they're not getting the respect because they are doing it differently. In a quarterback-driven league, they're doing it backwards. They're doing it with a ground game, and they're doing it with edge rushers. And maybe that's surprising a lot of people saying, well, well, the Packers, I mean, they're not good enough. They've won 12 games, but... Look at how they've won these games. They're just, it's not going to work in the postseason, but maybe exactly what they're doing will work in the postseason. And they're doing it backwards based on the current trends. They're doing it backwards based on them. But you're right. It's, it's, it has worked so far because here they are. And it's not, it's not brand new. This has been a, a trend the back half of this season, running more, throwing less, getting their points that way, and playing some defense. Um, so they, they've gotten to 12 and 3 by winning ugly. My concern is you leave yourself no margin for error when you play like this. And when they step up in competition from the Vikings to the elite NFC teams in the postseason, even at Lambeau, I think those guys can pounce on the openings that Green Bay would give them more so than the Vikings did last night and other teams have done here over the last four plus weeks. So it's all well and good. And I may be too slow here jumping on the bandwagon but I still I still am spooked by the way they're winning games right now. All right, number two. Number two. Beast Mode, a.k.a. Marshawn Lynch, is returning to the Seahawks. Oh, nice job by Zach. Nice emphasis there. No? You had an issue with that? Please. No, no, not with that. You had a good, that was a good read by Zach. That was a good read by Zach. I will, I will give him that, but... I will also give Zach, my arch enemy, one last Christmas gift. We've already discussed on this show, Moose, Zach not knowing how to pronounce Saquon. As and he's a giant Saquon, fan. And he's a giant fan. That is a good point. I heard him yesterday breaking down the Giants' win on Sunday over Washington by referencing Giants head coach Pat Schumer. Oh, my God. No, he did not. Now, did he do that on purpose because he knew you were there? No, he did not know I was there. Oh. So he did not do it on purpose. So you were like fly on the wall he in did, the background, camouflage. He did correct himself eventually, but it, Schumer came out. Person yeah, kept talking. Seconds elapsed. It was like, and he was like, Shermer, Shermer, Shermer. So it, he caught it, but he didn't catch it fast enough, and it happened in the first place. That's my guy, Zach. Khalil Mack. Well, if you're a Jive fan, and there are names, when, especially when you get to the NHL, that you can mispronounce. And even after you go over them, you can mispronounce. Well, but and if there you are Giants are... that right now are, you can't believe are Giants because they're so bad. I mean, did I know Caden Smith was spelled with a K? Didn't. No, did not know that. But here's the thing. If you are a huge Giant fan, you have to know it's Pat Shermer, not yeah. Schumer. And you have to know how to pronounce Saquon Barkley. Yes. I mean, I think that's pretty easy, right? Agreed. Speaking of running backs... Beast mode. Beast mode. A.K.A. Marshawn Lynch. Yes, thank you, Zach. Back in the NFL as he is signed for the rest of the year by the Seattle Seahawks. As we've talked about, their top three running backs on the depth chart all done for the year. Penny, torn ACL. Carson, their starter, done for the year, hip injury. And then Prosize broke his arm. 
this past week in their loss against the Arizona Cardinals. So they were down their fourth string running back. They signed two yesterday. Robert Turbin, who you're familiar with if you're a Seahawks fan. And they also bring Marshawn Lynch, who starred up there in Seattle from 2010 to 2015. Should have gotten that football in the Super Bowl. We all understand it. Should never have thrown the football on that occasion. We all understand it. Daryl Morey can defend it all he wants. That was a moronic play call. But it's good to see Marshawn Lynch at least donning the Seahawk uniform once again. Oh. That's fitting. And he didn't look right in the Raider uniform. No, he did not. He did not. Um, please let this work out. Like I said last hour, please, we deserve this. This is the gift. I cannot promise you, Moose, a bloodless, stitchesless, castless Christmas break for you and your family. But I hope I can give you Marshawn Lynch sometime in January giving us one more Marshawn Lynch moment. And I need Marshawn Lynch post-game comments, pre-game comments. I need the Marshawn Lynch pre-game outfit. I need everything that Marshawn Lynch brings to the table. The dude's crazy in a very good way. And it's been missed, and I'm glad, except for the injuries needed to get there, I'm glad we got him back in the NFL for a month or so. I, You know what? I am with you, and I think there's probably a better chance of me ending up in the emergency room with one of my sons. Uh, hopefully not, uh, but I don't want to see that happen. Uh, all joking, but the point being is I don't know what you're going to get from the 33-year-old. Uh, I really don't. I'd love to see one of those runs. I'd love to see one of those physical second effort running through the Saints' entire defense. Get the hell out of my way, stiff arm. That uh, popping the Skittles on the sideline. I'd love to see that kind of Marshawn Lynch run once again amongst the 12s Sunday night against the San Francisco 49ers. Are we asking too much, though? Uh, I think we're asking a lot for this weekend, but get me to that first playoff game. Maybe it's in the wildcard weekend. Maybe it's in the divisional round, but give him, a, give him some time to work himself back in here. I'd be hard-pressed if he was good and impactful on Sunday, but... I'm hoping for something when we get to January. Uh, It'd be great. I mean, it would be great. And it's good to see number 24 up there in Seattle once again, wearing those uniform, wearing that uniform, those colors for Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. And we'll see exactly what he can provide for them here moving forward. All right, number three. Number three. Kirk Cousin loses to the Packers and is now zero for nine. Oh, and nine on Monday Night Football. Oh, he is. Did he forget an S in there? Let's hear it again. Did he? Kirk Cousin loses to the Packers. Okay. Kirk Cousins. Okay. Yes. He did forget me. You are very particular. I'll tell you that. I I got the ears. Cross the T's, dot the I's. I mean, you got the ears of Superman. Whatever animal listens well on that animal. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, you you and Peter Schwartz can head to the vet's office later on today. Kirk Cousins. Uh, anyway, Kirk Cousins uh, struggled once again last night. He was not good. The offense was not good. They didn't have their top two running backs, the Minnesota Vikings. They struggled, led that game 10-9, lose the game 23-10, didn't put a point up on the scoreboard in half number two. Cousins was pathetic. Uh, the only touchdown came from when Cousins hit uh, Stephon Diggs uh, from about you know 20 yards out, whatever it might have been. Um, you know, that was it from the Minnesota Vikings offensively. And listen, last night falls on Cousins. Um, I didn't think he played particularly well. I think he looked rushed. Certainly, he was under duress most of the night. The Viking offensive line really struggled over the course of that game. There were games this year where the Vikings lost. That Seattle game up there in Seattle amongst the 12s. Right. I thought Cousins played brilliantly that yes. night. That game did not fall on Kirk Cousins. Last night, he was he needed to be great with Mike Boone starting at running back. 
and Kirk Cousins was not great. No, none, none of them were great. Not even a little bit. Um, and they're the latest team to struggle to slow down Aaron Jones and not benefit from the Packer pass game, not being the Packer pass game. And just, you know, they had an outside chance. They, at the very least, just preventing the Packers from clinching the division on their home field. It's Monday night, and they lay an egg. And that, that 0-9 number on Monday night for Kirk Cousins' teams, Moose, it's fascinating. Like, I, I, I think it's more coincidence, happenstance, than anything else because it's not like he just somehow is bad on Monday night games. But I, but it's now 0-9, and he stunk last night. So, like, is it is it about the opponent? Because normally on a Monday night, you know, you're playing, you're not playing a, a a crap team. Usually, it's two decent teams squaring off. Is it the national stage? Is there something behind it, or is it still just an you know an unhappy accident? But it's 0-9 is not 0-2. Like this is this is a lot now. This is more trend maybe than than just accident. But it's either way ill-timed effort from him and from them. At least they're still in the playoffs, but you just you needed more from them last night, and you got nothing once again. Uh, got nothing, and you're right about that. I, I don't know why it's a case. Maybe he puts too much pressure on himself. Certainly physically, he's talented enough to make all the plays and to make all the throws. We have seen that from here from Kirk Cousins, uh, but he plays, he plays down when his team is playing a quality team. He does not rise to the level. And that would be the concern when you're looking at Cousins. You play, you paid him to be a finishing piece to a team capable of winning a Super Bowl. And right now, I think there are Viking fans that look at him and say, you know, is he really? Yeah, it's easy when you have Dalvin Cook running for 150 yards uh, to be a successful quarterback. But when that ground game is not going, as it was not last night, you as a quarterback have got to ri- raise your level. And you've certainly got the weapons offensively in Thielen and Diggs and a secondary for the Packers that's been leaky this year that you should be able to throw on that Green yeah. Bay defense. And, and no matter where, they're locked into the sixth seed from losing last night. So wherever they go in the wild card weekend is not going to be fun. And whether it's, you know, whoever ends up in that three seed, you you can't, you can't bank. You can't, you're not going to even entertain the idea of Cousins playing well in that game and them playing well in that game and getting a win. Yeah, and so, you know, he struggles once again. The Vikings suffer a tough loss at home against the Green Bay Packers. We'll see if they can get healthier as this thing does roll along. But those are your three big headlines here on this Christmas Eve morning. Christmas coming your way tomorrow. Santa will be arriving, and we have a gift for you next. Jason Lockton for Okay. Yes. And Peter Schwartz. And Peter Schwartz. And an update and sports information. No, I have no gifts for you. I apologize. Santa has left the North Pole, though, according to the NORAD satellite. There you go. Santa's on his way. There are places in this world that it's already Christmas Eve night or Christmas morning, and Santa is already delivering presents. There you go. Very nice. That's why we love Andrew Bogish. And the internet. And the internet. Yes. Thank you, Al Gore. Didn't he invent the internet? He says you're welcome, Moose. Yes, thank you. I thought you'd get that. You didn't react. <laughs> anyway. I didn't know what was supposed to. I'm sorry. Uh, that's all right. Uh, you're not a laugh track. You're more than that. Ah, thank you. You, you got it. You're welcome. I put my mic on. Those are the min- So those are your three big headlines. Uh, your NFC North champs are the Green Bay Packers. The Minnesota Vikings suffer a tough loss Monday night. Marshawn Lynch, beast mode back in the National Football League. Mark Malusis, Andrew Bogish with you. Rolling right along on this Tuesday morning, CBS Sports Radio.
out here on this Christmas Eve edition. Mark Malusis and Andrew Bogish with you on this Tuesday morning. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to uh, one and all those celebrating. We're going to talk to Jason Lockenfora who's going to join Andrew and myself, NFL insider for CBS Sports. Peter Schwartz, hurt hand and all, is uh, back we got with a, another update. We had a little problem. Have, thank you for the happy Hanukkah wish, but we, we have to put one more light on there. Because uh, last night was the second night of, of Hanukkah. There you go, if that works. I guess it doesn't. Last night was the second night. There's got to be some control that puts another, another candle up there. Moose is trying to I figure it out. I see a button on the back. There you go. There. Very good, Moose. Right, Last night was the second night. Second Thank night you very is much. There you go. Thank I you, Pilati, for the instruction. Just like, try the back of it, you idiot. <laughs> All right. I was like, Thank I you, Pete. I feel like I'm it. home. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> if you were home, you'd be told to leave here and go to a job. Uh, that's fair and fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. That's the next thing for Bilotti. Yeah. Yeah. Go home. Take care of your kids. Thanks, yeah. Pete. Good to see you. Schwartz, take it away. We begin with the final Monday Night Football game of the year as the Packers rule the North. Receiver in motion. Rodgers gets the shotgun. Snap hands off to Jones. Block from the guard at the 50. Breaks free. Broke a tackle down the sideline. 40. He's at the 30. The 20. Kiss him goodbye. The 10. The 5. Touchdown, Aaron Jones. Kevin Harlan on Westwood 1. The Packers beat the Vikings 23-10. Green Bay now 12-3. They clinch the NFC North title. Head coach Matt LaFleur's team can still get a first-round bye. I think any time uh, you can advance one round in the playoffs because every game is so competitive. Not only that, but you, you get a home game at, at Lambeau um, would be absolutely critical. Aaron Jones rushed 23 times for 154 yards and two touchdowns. Also from the NFL, the Seahawks reportedly calm the terms of running back Marshawn Lynch for the rest of the season. He was a Seahawk from 2010 the 2015, the Panthers reportedly interview former Packers head coach Mike McCarthy for their head coaching vacancy. Last night in college football, the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa, UCF over Marshall, 48-25. to In the NBA, will tip off in Phoenix. The Nuggets and Suns were tied at 111 in the final second. Here comes the pick from Nikola Jokic. Jamal Murray moves off of that, sprints in on Bain, stops, shoots a three. Game winner! Murray throws a dagger. They're going to give him a two. Jason Kosmicki, the play-by-play on Nuggets Radio. Nuggets over the Suns, 113-111. Other games of note last night, the 76ers beat the Pistons, 125-109. to In overtime, the Pacers over the Raptors, 120-115. The Heat now 13-1 at home as they beat the Jazz, 107-104. And that's sports. All right, thank you, Pete. Uh, happy Hanukkah. Happy you, holidays to everybody. Happy holidays and, uh, and, and quick recovery. For you. Uh, thank you. I'll try to stay out of further trouble. his best. No, he doesn't. <laughs> yes, no, he does not. Jason Lockenfora <laughs> joins us now. Uh, joins us, NFL insider for CBS Sports. Hey, Jason, happy holidays. Mark Malusis, Andrew Bogish. Uh, thanks for the time here on this Christmas Eve morning, buddy. No worries. Uh, happy holidays to you guys as well. Thanks. You know, Jason, how about, you know, Andrew and I were talking about it earlier. You know, how about this Packer team? You know, they're 12 wins. They got a shot at the number one seed in the NFC. You know, their passing game hasn't been what we've seen in the past. But Jones is an elite rusher. Zadarius Smith is great again after the quarterback. 
they've kind of flown under the radar here when you think about the you know when you think about a 12 win Green Bay team are they getting the respect that you think they deserve uh I I think so I've, I gotta admit I, I've kind of been a skeptic on them and and even last night they boy they tend to leave me wanting a little more and I I don't know maybe that's my own bias maybe that's you know watching Aaron Rodgers all these years and and not being able to do my own mental calculus and and just sort of get away from the heights that we've seen him achieve and 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 just sort of wrap my head around the fact that like he's just a dink and dunk game manager now and that's all they really want I guess and they're they're content to win with defense and win with a multi-attack run game um, I I still look at them and I look at New England and, and these are you know clubs that could get you know top top two seeds and say I, I think they're both really vulnerable depending on matchups you know when we get to January and and could be one and done because of these legendary quarterbacks they have who who now and, and, whether it's because of sort of scheme and identity and lack of familiarity in Green Bay. Or in New England, there's the fact that it's personnel and there's just nothing around him um, for Tom Brady to be able to be more than functional. I, I do have worries about them. And if they have to play from behind against teams that can run the ball and, and are willing to stick with running the ball, I'm not sure that the Packers or the or, or the Patriots can come back on um, a playoff quali- quality, you know, caliber team in January. So, Jason, just to go back to what you said a second ago, and if you're you know comparing the two teams, the Patriots and the and the Packers, you're leaning in New England more towards personnel or the lack thereof around Brady. But do you think Rodgers is more of the issue, so to speak, in Green Bay than the guys around him? Um, no, well, I think it's it's scheme. I think okay. it's coaching. It, it's uh, it's lack of familiarity with with what Matt Lafleur wants to do, and I think it's philosophy. I mean, look, Lafleur was pretty upfront when he got there. Hey, I ran the ball a lot in Tennessee and I I think we can run it even more in Green Bay. Like that they're a run first team. I I mean um I, with with more volume in the pass game, with more emphasis on the pass game, would we see more out of somebody else in that supporting cast? You know, will would would Aaron Rodgers have sort of cultivated and developed on the fly somebody there? the way we saw him do it with so many guys over the past, you know, I, I can't help but wonder. I, I, I don't know, man. It just, it just looks like such a different operation whereby McDaniels and Brady, you know what they want to do right. and you know what they can do. They just, they, they don't have a bridge to get there. So it's trick plays. It's throw it into the fifth round. It's throw in the fifth, you know, fifth, fifth uh, row of the seats. It's throw it into the ground. It's live to fight another day and let the defense, you know, carry us. I mean, they don't even have a run game. I mean, Rodgers has a run game. It's a very different situation. New England, up until literally last week, couldn't run the ball on anybody. No, they really couldn't. You're right about that. And, and, and Jason, but, you know, there's still this trust when you look at the Patriots, though, right? That, you know, you, you still, even though they're not as, you know, gifted as, say, Baltimore or Kansas City offensively, the ability to execute when it's on the line. I know they've never I, I know they haven't won all these consecutive championships, but to be the nine Super Bowls, winning six of them, you yes. trust that staff and you trust that team yes. to kind of find a way more than anybody else in the AFC. Uh, absolutely. Um 
and, and Edelman, doesn't matter how banged up he is or what's going on, right? He's going to make a few plays. James White is going to make a few plays. They're not going to beat themselves. They're not going to turn it over, you know, four, four or five times. I mean, the way, look, I mean, the way, you know, Green Bay was, and it turned out it, it didn't matter in the end because Minnesota and Cousins just, I, I yeah, I don't know. Um, and, and look, the injuries to their running backs, I, I guess, probably mattered more than, than I thought it would. I, you know, I look at Gary Kubiak, I look at that scheme and say, you know, whoever the next running back is will probably be fairly effective. That obviously was not the case last night. But, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of institutional memory and knowledge and wherewithal with New England. Um, but I also think certain matchups, you know what I mean? Like if, it's, if, if, if they get Kansas City, if they get – because I don't, I don't, they're not going to be able to stop Kansas City's offense, and I don't think they can win a high-scoring game with Kansas City. If they get Buffalo, can they beat Buffalo in a nip-and-tuck game three times? You know, I, I don't know. I, I'd be very interested to see. Jason, let's go back to the Vikings for a second. That Kirk Cousins nugget 0-9 on, on Monday Night Football. I mean, it, it's still, my heart, my head says it's just kind of a really bad coincidence, but maybe it is a trend, and maybe it's just about him in a big spot against better teams? What, yeah, what do you think? It just doesn't happen for him, and the sample size is so big now right? that you, you can't just write it off. Um, and and you, you couple that with you know, his record against above 500 teams and then you know, his record against those sort of teams in December, and it's, it's just not pretty. It's, it's not pretty. And last night, yeah, they had issues running the ball, but um, – they had the full complement of receivers back. Now, was Thielen more of a decoy than anything else? Do I think he's 100%? No, but he's out there. You've got Diggs. You've got Rudolph. Um, wasn't the best night in the world for the offensive line. But when he's coming out there in the first quarter and he's missing on screen passes and little you know, comebackers and flares, you, you kind of got the sense, you know what I mean, that like this is going to be another real rough Kirk Cousins outing against a quality football team. I, I it seems to just be baked into who he is now. It's part of his DNA, and it has become um, part of the Vikings' DNA. And I, I don't know wh- when he overcomes it. You know what I mean? When does Dak Prescott overcome it? I mean, you, it doesn't happen until it happens. I, I know that, you know, we said Peyton Manning couldn't win the big game for a long time, right? Um, but I, 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 don't, I don't think that, you know, Cousins is going to morph into somebody else this offseason and, and completely transform it. Um, you know, he he will compile. He will he will compile and and decimate really bad teams. And when he's hot, he can be as hot as any quarterback in the league. But can he ever carry a team over the hump in December or January? I mean, to this point, we had just haven't seen it. I, I don't know what you would look at in his resume and say you're projecting forward that yeah, now all of a sudden he's going to become a big game quarterback. Uh, Jason, out to Kansas City, do you, are you a believer? Statistically, they have. When you look at the job that Spagnola has done yeah. with this defense and how they've turned a corner here, are you a believer in this Kansas City defense? I, I, I don't know how you can't be now. I mean, you know, teams teams evolve. Teams morph. I, I think it's much like Baltimore. Um, you look at Baltimore and Kansas City coming in, you know, late September into October, Kansas City could not stop the run at all. You you could you could gash them all over the place, and Baltimore you could throw it over their heads all day long. And that secondary with the new pieces, um, just they couldn't figure it out. And now you know Baltimore's got about four guys back there. You don't want to throw the ball anywhere <laughs> close to. 
and Kansas City suffocating people. Um, I, I have to believe it. Um, Wink Martindale, Steve Spagnuolo are great, uh, great established coordinators who have changed their team's identity over the course of the year. Um, I, I think they're clearly the two best teams in the AFC. I think they're on a collision course you know, three weeks from now in Baltimore, and that would be a heck of an interesting game. I, I suspect it plays out um, in many ways differently than their first meeting in Arrowhead early in the year did just because the, the, the teams have evolved so much. Um, I, my hat's off to Spagnuolo. I, I, thought, that, uh, I, I thought that this was going to be a, a Kansas City team that was going to have to just throw it you know, 55 times a game to keep up because of, of how bad that defense was last year and how bad it was the first quarter this year. And that's that's just not the case anymore. They can do they can do whatever they want, and and the lack of a running game doesn't hurt them as much now, obviously, because they can they can shut you down on defense. Jason, uh, both Moose and I need Marshawn Lynch uh, to be Marshawn Lynch in January. What's a fair expectation for him back with Seattle now? I, I mean, look, he, it's tough. Um, they, you know, I talked to people out there, and they said, "Look, we're not going to do this as a publicity stunt." If he if he doesn't look good in a workout and, and you know, can't pass a physical, we're not going to do this just to do it. And we are going to bring in, you know, some other running backs to get a look at as well. <clears throat> I don't know. He, he's such an unusual guy. Right. His career has had such a, you know, really bizarre sort of ebbs and flows and quirks, and he's come out of retirement so many times in the past. I mean, if I'm San Francisco, i got to be sitting there, I mean, just kind of looking a little bit sideways. Like, you know, there's no film on him this year. Like, who knows? We, we know that on any given play, he could be an absolute bowling ball and, and just, you know, run over everybody in front of him. Is he in that kind of shape? I, I don't know. Um, he only gets one game, you know, to tune it up, and then in all likelihood, you know, that's not a team that, that is probably going to get a top-two seed. So, you know, you're going right into a wild-card game. I have no idea. I, I'm with you. I want to see it. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's great that we're going to get to see it more than once. Um, look, I will say this: the the way they're set up now, losing Dwayne Brown is a huge factor. But the way they've been set up most of the year, the scheme, um, the the willingness to run the ball even when they shouldn't. I mean, that's Brian Schottenheimer's mo. Like even when you should just put the ball in, in Russell's hands, he he wants to put it in the running back's hands. So I, I don't know, man. They they might catch a little lightning in a bottle. Uh, Jason, to the NFC East, let's start with the Redskins. Um, you know, how big are the cha- are Allen going to be out? How big are the changes going to be down in D.C. this offseason? You know, there are certainly scenarios out there as Dan Snyder goes through this, and I'm told this is, this is Dan Snyder's show. This isn't a collective. This isn't, you know, Bruce has a list and, you know, Doug Williams has a list. This is, this is Dan Snyder um, navigating this himself. Um, uh oh! If you're a Redskins fan, <laughs> I don't know if that necessarily. Well, if, if, you want Bruce, if you want Bruce Allen out, it's probably a good thing. That's true because he's not in the room, and people who would be inclined to unload on him will unload on him, and and that could lead to, at the very least, him being, you know, his title being changed and being stripped of any authority in football operations, and him being limited to um, a CFO. It could also lead to him being completely out. That's not out of the question. Um, the, the, the thing becomes, who can Dan Snyder really get? And, you know, is it is it somebody who a uh, Jerry Jones would be, you know, competing for? Is it somebody who, 
you know, the Giants would be trying to hire? Or is it somebody who might not have as many options and is willing to take a job that some guys just frankly, for various reasons, wouldn't want to consider? You know, that remains to be seen. You know, Snyder has a real fixation on Mike Tomlin, but he, he's also, you know, trading his first-round pick. You're talking about trading the second pick of the draft. Like, <laughs> so he's not doing that. Would a second, high second-round pick this year and next year get it done? I don't know. After the season the Steelers have had, you know, he's he's interested in people like David Shaw. He's interested in talking to Ron Rivera. Is he going to be able to even get an audience with some of those people? You know, that remains to be seen. Um, but yes, there are certainly scenarios out there where Bruce Allen's out of the equation. You mentioned Jerry Jones. Um, has this been enough for him if he does move on from Jason Garrett? <laughs> when he was on from Jason Garrett, does does he actually? give a new head coach any more wiggle room and a little more space to do his thing, or does he not learn his lesson still and be full-on Jerry? You know, look, if he goes and gets Lincoln Riley, is he going to say, hey, Lincoln, and by the way, we're, we're going to pick all your, your, your key you know, skill guys for you? I don't think so. You know, I don't, I don't think it's about flexing his muscles um, to that degree and, and saying you're going to be under our thumb and take what we give you. No, I, I don't think it'll be that extreme. Um, you know, if they if they, you know they're they're sitting down with Matt Rule, are they going to tell him, yeah, look, and we want to we want to pick your staff, and we want to, um, you know, we're we're gonna we just want you to be our puppet on the sidelines? No, no, um, and and you know, but will there be candidates who who just don't like the setup there? There may be, but it's the Dallas Cowboys, it's the Star, it's you know what conservatively four or five. You know, uh, primetime games a year. It's a good team, too, yeah. I think, yeah, right? There is talent there. You know, Prescott, I, I don't think Prescott is who the Cowboys think he is, but can you win football games in the NFL in 2020 with Dak Prescott? Sure. Um, you know, you, you need, they, look, there's, I'm sure a lot of people looking at that saying, if I put, you know, with, with the way I run my offense, with the way I call a game, you know, with the sort of tempo and, and rhythm and, and things that I instill. That we can get even more out of that offense. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, they've got issues on defense. Uh, it's it's not a perfect scenario, but I I know that Jerry Jones has a lot of. Uh, he's intrigued by a lot of what's going on in college, and he's got two coaches within a three hour drive of his house who um, he is going to at the very least take their temperature. Uh, you know, Jason, is there, um, you know, he, there's been reports with him in Dallas. He was down in Washington. You know, what's the market for Urban Meyer in the NFL? I, I look, Urban Meyer, he, he wants to make the jump. He's made it clear. Um, he's flirting as much as he can possibly flirt. I, I think his best bet, if, if he has one in the NFL, would be Cleveland. If, if the Cleveland Browns fire Freddie Kitchens, there's a lot of people around the league who think they have to. Um, but you know what? There were a lot of people who thought they had to fire Hugh Jackson at 0-16, and they didn't. So the Haslam's are a little different, and that's one where, um, kind of like the Bruce Allen scenario, you, you hear a lot of things, but you don't you don't believe it's done until you know what I mean. You see the press release or you you see the uh, the press conference. But I think that's Urban Meyer's best spot. He's very close to Jimmy Haslam. Um, they they got very close to his time at Ohio State. Um, the Browns would routinely, I'm told, have inside information on Ohio State players. They would know who to touch, who not to touch, um, more so than maybe any, any other team in the league. When has, when, I'm sorry, when 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 you know Meyer was there, 
Um, they were going to move their training camp to Columbus at one point and, and had that all set up back when Urban was still there. Um, and Haslam going all the way back to his you know first coaching search that ended up, you know they ended up with Rob Jadzinski. That's not who they set out to get. They they went after a lot of big time college coaches and 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 couldn't get them at that time. So um, and and look, Urban Meyer in a lot of cities, I think people would be like, eh, no thanks. Urban Meyer in Cleveland after yeah. what he did in Columbus. I think there's a little bit of a unique cachet there where people would buy in. And I don't think Urban Meyer in the NFL would work for a hot minute, but the Browns do need a disciplinary. They, there need to be some guardrails. People in that building need to know you can't just say, do, act out, whatever you want, whenever you want. Like We get that the owner really loves his players and you guys feel over-empowered, but, but those days have to end. Um, otherwise, they're going to find themselves in the same situation year after year. Jason Lockenfora, NFL insider for CBS Sports. Hey, Jason, great stuff as always. Happy holidays to you and your family, and we appreciate the time. No worries, guys. Same to you. Thank you. you Thanks, got it. Jason. Uh, we'll come back. We got the undercard for you uh, as we wrap up here. Shepherd Schwartz. Oh, that Round was, two. Uh, that was great earlier. Honestly, that is worth every Saturday morning here on CBS Sports Radio to see those two Titans going after one another. That's fantastic. Poor Robin Lumberg, exactly. upstaged by his producer and his anchor. That's it. It's Malusis and Bogus with you, CBS Sports Radio. And Andrew Bogish with you. Um, and did, before we get to the undercard here, uh, this is the final time I'm going to be appearing here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, next year, I'm, I'm going to be doing, uh, hopefully, doing uh, some work at WFAN. And uh, but that is yet to officially be announced, and uh, we'll see exactly moves forward. But uh, Taz and myself, my broadcast partner, last Friday was his last day on the air here. Um, certainly when this show launched January 2nd, 2018, uh, enjoyed my time, learned a lot, um, never did morning radio, certainly never did national radio, was more of a local guy on WFAN in New York, did some national radio on the weekends, on Saturdays and Sundays here on CBS Sports Radio. I want to thank, you know, Chris Olivero, Eric Spitz, Mark Chernoff for the opportunity uh, to do national radio uh, for the past couple of years. And certainly enjoyed my time with Taz and working with Taz and learning a lot from him and certainly watching him growing up as a wrestler and doing his stuff in the ring. Enjoyed my time working with Mike Biseglia. I've known Pete Bellotti and Andrew Bogish for years. Bogish dating back to our days at Sirius XM Radio. Uh, so I've known Andrew and, and his days doing U.S. Open when I was producing uh, Mike and Chris. <laughs> and all of a sudden I'd be producing Chris out at the U.S. Open at Flushing Meadows. Turn the corner. There's Andrew Bogish working the U.S. Open. So... Uh, and everyone, uh, we certainly brought it, and I enjoyed, uh, you know, doing uh, the show for the last couple of years. Uh, unfortunately, the show is coming to an end, uh, and uh, it does not mean that uh, it won't be great shows here on, on CBS Sports Radio, but January 2nd, there will be a new show filling in here uh, and stepping in and doing it um, and taking here from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern time. But uh, it's been an absolute blast, and it's been a journey. Loved working with you guys and appreciate uh, everything that you guys did and brought on a day-in, day-out basis. And uh, 
I'm really proud of what we've provided the audience on, on a yearly basis. Moose, it's been fun finally actually working directly together yes. as opposed to just seeing us in hallways and U.S. Opens. Uh, I'm being told in my ear that I, I am now allowed to announce what you will be doing in 2020 <laughs> on WFAN. It's a brand new show. It's going to be on from about uh, 10 a.m. through, I don't know, 4, 4.30 in the afternoon. We don't know all the particulars yet, but it is Moose and Shep and Schwartz. <laughs> Still working on the name. Right. It might Moose, be six Shep hours and or seven Moose and yeah. two dudes. I don't know what they're going to call it. <laughs> But this morning, I that think that's segment, a hit. I think Shep and Schwartz yeah. is a hit. I think you throw those two Shep guys on the Schwartz. radio, give them a show. Throw those two guys on the radio, and let them cut it out, basically yeah. lock the door, and away you go for four hours of radio. I think that's I think that's championship radio featuring Moose. Yeah. Shep and Schwartz <laughs> featuring a Moose. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and we certainly appreciate all the callers and everybody on social media. Uh, everybody that uh, added to the show over the past couple of years uh, really enjoyed it. It was an absolute blast. So with that being said, let's get to it. What we do, here we go, the undercard. Taz and the Moose present the undercard. The stories from today's rundown that we haven't talked about on the show. All right, the aforementioned chef, take it away. Your time to shine, bud. All right, guys. So the Miami Heat, they're 22 and 8 this season, the same record that Heat team had in the 2012 13 season, last time they won the title. Are they the biggest surprise to you, most and bogus? Uh, are they the biggest surprise? I think they are. I'm stunned. I mean, Spolstra is a hell of a coach, bogus. He really is. You look at that team. You know, Nunn's been unbelievable as a rookie. He's been great. They add Jimmy Butler. You know, Butler's playing well with others. You know, it was an issue up there in Minnesota. They set the mindset. They're a tough defensive team. They can shoot the ball well. Hero, the rookie out of Kentucky, has yeah. shot the ball well for them, too. There's a lot to like about that Miami team, but I'll tell you, Spolstra's a hell of a coach. Yeah, I don't know if I know the context of the NBA still well enough to say that they're the biggest surprise, but I mean, they're... Say le- Lakers, how dominant they've yeah, been. Yeah, possibly. So uh, they're, they're just, but they're legit. They're 13-1 home. I watched a lot of that game last week when they gave the Sixers their first loss of the season in Philly. Uh, and yeah, it, it feels good for Eric Spolstra that I think he's now gotten to the point where... You can't, like, hold it against him that he coached LeBron and Wade and Bosh. Like, he handled that situation perfectly, and now coaching so well post all three of those guys shows you that on his own just how good of a guy he is, a coach he is. There's no doubt about it. He continues to show it this year. All right, next. Syracuse head coach Jim Boheim. What? So anyways, with that being said, okay, now I'm going to pivot a little bit. (laughs) We have had so much parity in the NBA. Like the last five years, it's been the Another Warriors NBA in the field, thing. right? So sorry. no one saw that coming. Okay, here's my here, okay here's my statement and question for you right. guys. It's the second thing on my email today. What <laughs> what to you guys has been the most exciting part about the NBA this season so far? Wow. How can I pick just one, Chef? Second I mean, that's thing, second thing that's oh. the most exciting thing. Do you watch the Christmas? Do you watch the games on the NBA? On I Christmas? mean, it'll be on the TV in my house, but am I going to like clear the room and my schedule to watch yeah, it? That's, no, no, neither am I. No. I mean, it'll be on. I'll flip it on, but I, I don't know. It does nothing for me, and I know they try and sell it like kind of Thanksgiving football, but it doesn't go hand in hand sitting there watching every single one of those NBA games. With that being said, the single most exciting thing this year. Um, I'll be honest, I, I'm, I'm really surprised at how well the Lakers have played. 
and you know how much LeBron is motivated by the down year a year ago. I, I'd say that's pretty exciting, and, and what he's been able to accomplish. In honor of Mike Biseglia, Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh, a little net basketball. I don't know if that what that means. I think he's a player, but yes, I'm going to say is. his name on the radio for Mikey B. <laughs> All right, last, let's go. All right, professor. What's the Viola? second best NBA thing you've no, seen no, no, this no, year? No, 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 no. You are you are a professor, Mark Malusis. You have ten jobs. If you could give a message to a listener for one thing they should have taken away and learned from your show, what would it be? Uh, <laughs> dude, come on. <laughs> Just one. Oh, I'm so on Team Schwartz. <laughs> Thirty seconds. Just one. Listen, chase your dreams. Work your rear end off. And, uh, and hopefully things uh, fall your way. I mean, I think that's really what it comes down to. If you work hard and, um, and, you, and you don't take – if you work hard, take pride in what you do, uh, things will break your way. There sleep you is for the week. Yeah, sleep is for the week. Shep, good job. <laughs> Bilotti, great job. Love the uh, Christmas Met ugly sweater. Fantastic. Thank you. Bogus, a pleasure, brother. Same here, Moose. Happy, uh, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to one and all. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Uh, really appreciate the love and the support over the past couple of years. Meant a lot. Enjoy your holiday season, everybody. Till next time. Peace. There's got to be a 10-second runoff here. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.